0: Hi, and welcome to Neon Peak. My name is Haley Obright, and I'm your host. I'm an event professional, a health and wellness junkie, and a self-proclaimed boss babe. In just five years, I helped quadruple the growth of the events agency I work for, was named the emerging industry leader in Canada, became a part-time professor, got engaged to the love of my life, started a blog and podcast, and did it all while hitting my health and fitness goals. Now I want to share out all my tips and tricks on how you can also lead an energizing life that's fulfilling and takes you to your peak state. Think of me as your new friend, the one who pushes you, tells you the truth, and doesn't let you give up on yourself. I also have a pretty open door policy, so you never know which guests may end up in the seat beside me. If you want more content like this, make sure to visit neonpeak.ca and of course, subscribe to this podcast. This is the Neon Peak Podcast, and today I would like to welcome my good friend and industry colleague to the show, Sean Hoff. He is the founder and managing partner at Moniker, a corporate travel agency focused on helping clients plan imaginative retreats, incentives, and off-sites around the world since COVID grounded travel he has transformed the agency into the virtual world by creating and delivering a platform of online team building workshops for clients struggling with engagement in the new remote setup in a previous life sean worked in investment banking but when he finally came to the realization that life is too short not to care about the work you do he left to pursue his dream of working in the travel industry which is when he started moniker in 2012. He does call Toronto home, but his curiosity for exploring the world has led him to live, work, and study in amazing cities like Barcelona, Dubai, Amsterdam, Paris, Florence, and even Colombia. In his spare time, Sean loves cooking, cycling, and toting around a tiny plastic pug named Winston as his travel mate. And you can follow his and Winston's adventures on their Instagram, Partners. Hi, Sean, and welcome. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great, Haley. Thank you.
0: Well, we are thrilled to have you, and I really want to start with you by actually grounding our listeners really in what Moniker is all about. So can you tell us a bit about Moniker and and what your vision is for corporate incentive travel?
1: Yeah, uh, in a pre-COVID world, uh, Monarcher used to help clients plan uh, retreats, uh, incentive trips, and offsites around the world. So we're talking things like uh, amazing race adventures and tuk tuks in Thailand, uh, sailing in Capri, uh, Survivor-type games on on resort beaches in the Caribbean. Uh, not a great business to be in when uh, when the COVID apocalypse hit. Um, but uh, we've we've actually managed to to pivot around and. Yeah, since then, we've moved into the virtual space. And so far, it's it's proving to be pretty successful.
0: And I think people need to definitely visit Sean's website, Moniker Partners, because you really don't understand what Sean does until you see the photos, the visuals. Sean has an incredible eye for design as well. And it's it's really how you put your trips together. And you have a typically a maximum number of uh, guests on your trips, right, Sean? Because you like to create really intimate experiences, really unique experiences. So You try not to take groups over how many?
1: Uh, we've tried to keep our our sweet spot would be groups of around like 80 to 120. Um, we've worked with larger groups in the past. I think the largest group I've ever worked with was about 500. And what we found was that at that point, you're basically herding cattle. It's logistics and moving bodies around. And it really limits the options of what you're able to do. Uh, if, for example, we take a group of 80 people to Tuscany, um, there's a high chance that we'd be able to take them to a very authentic restaurant and eat in the regular dining room and have the, the meals like plated and delivered by the actual chef. Whereas when you are dealing with larger groups of you know a few hundred over, um, it's it's a totally different game where you're now looking at venues and catering and and everything is done more as a as a well oiled machine. So I think that takes away from the authenticity that we try to capture on our trips.
0: Yeah. And that's one thing I've always really admired about you and about Moniker that you have really stuck to that niche. You've narrowed in and you've committed to it. And because of that, you are executing some pretty incredible trips for, for the groups that work with you. Used to. Uh, Used to, exactly. Well, that kind of takes me into my next question. Um, Obviously, we've talked about the fact that your business is travel. So let's take ourselves back to March. The world is starting to completely shut down. Flights are basically at a halt and your entire business relies on travel. Where are you at mentally at that point?
1: The first few weeks, I remember this. Uh, This was happening about the second and third week of March. Uh, it was cancellations left, right, and center. I, we were actually scheduled to fly to Dublin with a few of my colleagues to run a, a retreat. And even ourselves were a little bit, you know, is this happening, is this a go? Uh, we were in touch with the client, I would say twice a day to, to gauge where their, their comfort zone was. And then the dominoes started to fall. Um, it was the next three, four weeks were spent on the phone with airlines, suppliers, hotels just basically hours and hours on on, on the phone, trying to get all of the cancellations done and recoup as much money as we could. Uh, And when the dust settled, it was, I would say, end of March. And I remember looking at our program calendar and realizing that we only had one single program left for the entire year, and it was in October. And then a few days later, they called and they canceled. And that was when our boat officially capsized. Uh, I remember looking at our our revenues for the rest of the year and just basically what were we going to do? And uh, there wasn't a single program or a dollar revenue coming in. And that was a pretty rough situation to be in with, uh, we have six people on payroll, I remember it was due. I, I had like the serendipity of the moment, the payroll approval email came in like, as this person cancel. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's safe to say I wasn't in a great place for those weeks, but um, it, it's night and day to where we are now. Like our, our, our group is, has come together. Uh, and I personally, uh, my mindset is, is much more about like perseverance and tenacity has as gotten us through this.
0: That's, and we're definitely going to get into how you went from feeling kind of hopeless to where you are now, but at that time you made some pretty big decisions. I remember speaking to you because like everyone in the industry, we were all calling each other and, and, you know, trying to support one another, but I remember calling you and you had made some pretty big decisions early on. So tell us what those were and how you were able to confidently make those choices for your team.
1: Uh, I will say that I don't think there was any confidence early on. Anybody who says that they saw this coming or had some master plan of how to deal with it uh, is is at best pretending or at worst lying to themselves. Um, It was such a fluid situation for all of us, not just even us in like travel and event world, but just in general. I mean, every day there was something new being announced or rolled out by the government. You flipped on the news. It was a constant stream of new information and a lot of doom and gloom. I knew there were a few things that were going to be my priority when COVID happened as a business, and then as well as just seeing myself as somebody who's taking care of, of our team. Um, and that was where the plan started to take shape after those would get addressed. So I knew that I wanted to keep everybody in our in our company as whole as possible. Um, and we were looking at either, you know how could we keep salaries as, as close to full as possible without sacrificing? Um, the the long term future of the business, and I also knew is is really important to just kind of provide like a steady presence. Um, people were scared in those first few weeks they didn 't know what was going to happen with what was happening on the news they They were starting to be unsure about their their job security where the industry was going, and so for me, it was important to also just give a steady guiding presence and so we did right off the bat um, we announced that there would be absolutely no layoffs as long as we could um and my goal was from there we we put together a i I put together a monikers covid response plan which was a deck and i remember spending a weekend doing this the weekend before my birthday actually and then on the monday um we had our usual monday morning call with everybody and i kind of walked through what was supposed to be a 20-week plan which of course hindsight is amazing because thinking back then that 20 weeks COVID would be over. It's just laughable though. But from there, it was basically no layoffs. We gave everybody a bonus up front um, just to help them get through what was going to be realistically uh, a few weeks of some some surprise expenses. Um, I'm sorry, Sean,
0: I I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think I have to pause there because we really need to highlight this. You decided that you were going to do no layoffs. And not only do you choose not to lay anybody off, which would have not only been incredibly understood, every agency was laying people off, but then you gave your team bonuses to make sure that they were okay. I mean, why? When Um, everyone would have understood that you would have had to potentially lay them off.
1: We, I think it was partially to show them that we as a company are going to do our best to get through this as as a group and also that i i wanted to make sure that they felt taken care of um people had to go through some surprise expenses and another part of it was that our staff make a portion of their of their annual compensation from guiding fees and that's when we we basically if they go and staff a program on site for a client they get paid additional for those days on site and so with all of our our programs canceling I knew that this was going to cut into what they were expecting to take home for the year. So we gave a, an after tax, uh, I think it was a thousand bucks to everybody. And that was just to help them sort out, you know, stockpiling, whatever they needed to stockpile when COVID was hitting, everybody was hitting the shelves in the grocery stores. Um, and then since then we've, we've kind of followed through with that, with other things too. Uh, in fact, I think in September we are actually going to be able to afford to give raises.
0: Wow. Well, listen, as a friend of yours, I know you'd never do anything for, uh, for the awards or for the thank yous. I know you really do it from your heart, but I hope you did give yourself a serious pat on the back for that decision (laughs) because it, listen, it inspired me. I, it really speaks volumes about, about who you are. And, and again, I know that's not why you did it, but it's, it really shows how tight knit the moniker family is. And I'm happy that your decision yielded you positive results down the road. So that's, that's awesome. Now, why don't we uh, why don't we go there? So you've made these choices, your team's in place, now you guys are all staring at each other, <laughs> you're at work, <laughs> and now it's time to reinvent. Because really your two options at this point are we reinvent or we fail. So how did you start that process? And tell us a bit about that reinvention and, and how you guys chose what what you ended up doing.
1: So there's this is good quote that I like to reference. Um, it's called "From Crisis Comes Clarity," and to be honest with you, for those first few weeks, uh, we as a company were pretty hesitant to jump on the bandwagon of getting into the virtual experiences because, well, on the one hand, it seemed that every other company in the industry was doing it, and um, and because, quite frankly, there was a lot of crap out there online, um, overpriced, and I just didn't think that. Could be done as effectively as what we did in, in person, and we had spent seven years trying to build this this company and its reputation based on really quality and thoughtful um, thoughtful programs and trips and i didn't i didn 't really want to tarnish that by jumping on this bandwagon and then not being able to do it exactly the way we would uh, w- that we would want and so we actually spent the first few weeks as a team. Um, basically roaming around the internet and trying out as many experiences as we could. Uh, I mean, if I were to tally up the, the cumulative man hours and, and the money we spent, like it's pretty funny in, in retrospect, but I think we probably played maybe 15 or 20 other experiences. And then over that process, we started to see what worked, what didn't, um, what made for a pretty engaging experience and then what fell flat. And then from that, we started to to put together kind of our, our guiding principles for if we were going to tackle it. But what really forced us into kind of, okay, it's, it's time to stop uh, researching and it's, it's time to start actually implementing was one of our, our best clients. Um, he called me up and this is the guy who, who called up to personally apologize for canceling the October retreat. Uh, and he says to me, Hey, Sean, we have our, our monthly town hall coming up and I, I can sense that our, our team's engagement is starting to dip. There is less cat memes and reaction gifts flying around our Slack channel. And,
0: um, Less cat memes, that is a bad sign.
1: (laughs) And, and we, we were considering bringing in some online stuff, but I've been looking into it and like, there's just nothing that I think would be that good. You know, our team, we know what you can do, you know, what do you have? And I said, well, Hey Keith, I, like we don't have anything yet. Like we're still not sure if we even want to do this. And he's like, "Well, that's too bad because I've already just told our our entire team that on on April twenty seventh, you're going to be doing our, our town hall." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> it was. I think it was like seventeen wow. days away, and um, and that just kicked things into overdrive. And so our team just started furiously putting together a plan. And that plan, the first plan was we were going to do five experiences over like five complete new concepts over the span of five months with one a month. Um, we had these three principles where the first thing is it had to be unique. We were not going to copy anybody else's concept or, or do anything that could just easily be replicated. Uh, the second one was it had to be a dialogue. Uh, one of the things we picked up when we were mystery shopping other companies was that anything where it's like a webinar format or a demo, where it's one person basically showing or talking to a crowd of people. um, It just doesn't, it doesn't work as well. And so everything we did, we knew we had to involve uh, conversations or interaction that went back and forth. And so we use a lot of actors. We've hired a lot of actors uh, since, since this all started and that became a core tenant about what we, what we wanted to put into our ideas. And then the last thing was it had to look and feel really polished. Um, And by having, spending the time to design it for the graphics, for any peripheral documents that we send out as well. I think it gives participants that extra um, production value that that actually helps in engagement. So our first concept back to this client um, was uh, we invented a virtual murder mystery. um, And we had about, I think it was 16 or or 19 days if you count the weekend, um, to pull together eight actors, write a script, adapt a script to Zoom, learn how to use, and basically stretch Zoom to its limits. Um, and it was amazing when we delivered it. Uh, we weren't we we had a few dress rehearsals going in, but that was the first live show. And the feedback that came in after that was such a, a rush of, of good feelings. Um, and that's kind of how the whole process started.
0: Wow. I actually didn't realize that. I didn't know it came from a client. And, Talk about a client having that kind of confidence in you is incredible and kudos to him seriously for caring enough to put his reputation on the line because he knew that he could inspire you enough with just saying that he had already booked you basically. So that's great and good to hear that you stepped up to the plate, not surprised, I'm sure he was not surprised. So that's, yeah, that's awesome. So how many virtual uh, experiences do you have now? So you built Murder Mystery was number one. So as of today, how many are live and active?
1: So the Murder Mystery is the first one and the response has been so great that clients are coming back and asking for a second script. So we do have a second script now. The second concept that we developed was, uh, it was inspired off a, it's a lunar disaster scenario that was inspired off a uh, Apollo era, NASA astronaut training exercise. And we basically injected technology and steroids into it and turned it into our own. Um, And it's pretty funny because actually on Friday, we had members from NASA themselves play it. And now they're going to be rolling it out internally as a team building thing for them. The third concept was, uh, it was kind of a mashup. We call it patent pending. It's a mashup between Dragon's Den and Whose Line Is It Anyway? So it kind of uses like Mad Lib style prompts to do a pitch competition. Um, Our fourth concept, which is uh, basically, I think it's gonna be ready this weekend, uh, right on time for September, um, is a 3D escape room, uh, which we've been working with some designers in the Ukraine to 3D render an entire house and uh, dropping in clues. Yeah, it's it's amazing to see what our resumes now look like pre-COVID compared to now. Um, the amount of like random little roles and tasks that we've added to our job descriptions from like casting actors to like Ukrainian 3D designers. It's, it's amazing.
0: Wow, that is, that's so cool. And uh, definitely check out Sean's website again, cause you'll see each of those virtual experiences explained in more detail. And now, Sean, you've gone from again, promoting yourself as a travel company to, um, now having to get the word out that you have all these new products and, uh, services that you're offering these new team builders. So what were some of the key tools that you used to do that, to bring business in and let everyone know, Hey, we have this
1: yeah I, I think something that really dawned on us when we started doing this is that we had to change our entire business model and kind of re-engineer how we did our sales and marketing strategy. Um, I use the analogy that before we were we were selling cars, large large projects that the cost could be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, they happened once a year. It was a big decision. People took a lot of time to make those decisions. It was primarily driven from referrals or word of mouth or basically people introducing to us. So it was an inbound sales process, and then going into the virtual world, I, I kind of say that we we turned into selling T-shirts overnight. Um, the price points much smaller. We're looking at twenty bucks, twenty-five bucks here and there, um, and people make those decisions much quicker. There's a lot more options available online. Uh, and the process of going into how you make that decision is is totally different. You quickly go on Google, you Google some ideas, you open up a few tabs, you make a decision um, and you can probably turn that whole process around in a day. Um, and so it, what it meant for us is instead of going and waiting for clients to come to us and relying on like a relationship, um, we had to be much more proactive about finding new customers and bringing our brand and products to them. And, you know, we used to do 15 to 20 uh, trips a year, uh, and that was a $5 million business. And in order to get the same amount of revenue to do that now, we would we figured out we probably had to do about one a day. Uh, so we started knocking on as many doors as possible, and search engine marketing and AdWords um, and SEO completely overhauled our, our strategy. Uh, we redid our website, we changed around some of the fundamental structures to be more searchable, um, and basically, you know, I remember when we started doing SEM, uh, which is Google AdWords. Um, I was, I was very skeptical at first, uh, two of my colleagues kind of. Presented their ideas and I said to myself, like, we've never done this. I think we, the most we had spent in the first seven years of moniker was $50 on Google ads and, and I, I'm pretty sure that came from one of those like mail vouchers that Google sends companies to like try out AdWords. Um, but. In the, in the last 10 weeks, 12 weeks that we've been running them, the amount that we've learned has been incredible. But just seeing how much that has driven business to us and, and kind of overhauled our entire organization, um, it's amazing. It's trying to drink from a fire hose. Uh, but as the results started to show, uh, it's actually become basically our number one sales tool. And uh, I can't tell you how much I kick myself for not trying this sooner. <laughs> Who knows where we would have been had we have we started with AdWords? Um, hey,
0: you'd be sailing and, on your yeah. yacht in France by now.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, do you guys outsource this or is your team doing this all internally? You guys are just figuring it out on your own, teaching yourselves. I'm talking about we, AdWords, updating your website, those things.
1: Yeah, we do it all internally. Um, we have some very, very smart and talented people on, on our team. Um, a lot of them, a lot of it is self-taught. And, you know, we've taken courses on websites like Udemy um, and a few others, but it's also just trial and error. Like you test something out, AB testing. Okay. This works better than that one. Okay. Let's cut that one. Um, And every week we do check-ins to see what's working, what's not, and then, you know, recalibrate if necessary. But I definitely credit uh, my teammates, uh, Nina and Steph in particular, who uh, have taught themselves how to market in a completely different world. Um, So, yeah,
0: that's awesome. And I think, again if if we're really hearing what sean's saying he's investing in his team when he's had chances to take the easy way out save some dollars he didn't take that route um and he his team's invested in him and that's coming to prove to be very the most profitable strategy And from what I've seen, you know, again, admiring Sean, the decisions that you've made, and and I look to you as a mentor as well, because I'm in in a similar industry to you, and uh, it's really really impressive uh, to see the results your team has had. So, congrats to the entire team. I know, you know, that there's a lot of people that play a role in the success you guys have had. Now, you are investing. You've talked about it. You're investing a lot to create new products and. People are usually fearful to bet on themselves, especially during tough times. You have no money coming in and now you're pouring money into creating these new products, Google ads, actors, scripts, all that. So where does that confidence come from to like fully invest in yourself and take that risk and go for
1: it? I mean, if you're not willing to bet on yourself, uh, who will? And what's the alternative? Um, so say so you don't try something and, and you play it safe and you wait and see what might happen and hope something that magically comes along and solves your problems, um, someone else will do it. And in business, if you're not innovating, you're probably going to perish. Um, and so you have to take control of your own destiny sometimes. And for us, it was, yes, we we took some risks um, by investing in these things upfront, not knowing how they would pan out. but for every three things we try if one work and two fail we're still a mile ahead of the person who didn't try anything at all and so we've been lucky uh, i definitely think that um going forward we've we've ridden a wave of obviously interest uh, in the in the online virtual engagement world but uh, at the same time if you're not willing to try what do you expect the results are going to be um yeah. And I mean, I think in, in terms of just like having that mindset, like it, it takes a certain type of person to want to start a business or try out entrepreneurship. Um, you have to have this, the, the risk averse gene that most human beings have is, is usually missing. Uh, if you're willing to forego a stable, predictable, steady career and income to basically jump out of a plane and hope it works out before you hit the ground. Uh, and I think over the last seven years of Moniker, um, we've made more of the right bets than the wrong bets, or we wouldn't be here. Uh, and so that's given me a level of confidence to trust my instincts and the team that have assembled around me to get shit done. Uh, and I'm amazed at some of the things that we've been able to accomplish since we since we have done both. I mean, as, as a whole, looking back, and then as well, just in the last four or five months, as we basically pursued a whole different business, um, but it, it's given me a lot of self-assurance that this wasn't entirely a crazy idea. And um, at the end of the day that, you know, with a team of people with the right, with the right skill set and everybody rowing in the same direction, you can get pretty amazing things done. Uh, there's, there's this, this like idiom that I like to reference talent, hard work, and luck pick two with two, you'll be successful, but with all three, you'll thrive. Um, and so, you know, it's not always the same thing. Sometimes, especially as you get into different projects, you, you might only rely on, on one or two of those. But it, I have found that if, if the stars align and, and the people you've assembled around you can get all three of those together, um, you'll be amazed at the results.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And what I realized too, is that a lot of us sit around, like we think other people are doing it. So people don't jump at it. They don't take the risk. They don't go for it. They're like, oh, well, there's so much competition out there. Other people are probably already doing this. The truth of the matter is they're not doing it. And there's actually few people taking the risk, betting on themselves, going for it. So I think if you actually do stand up, you do get at it, you do put the time in, your clients or future clients you don't even know about, they're waiting for someone to do it. They're waiting for you to take the risk. And I think we need... A lot of people need to stop thinking that everyone else around them is just already offering that service, offering that product and going for it. Cause what I've learned over the years is actually very few people are. And there's a lot of room for success if if you want to dive in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what we found as well. I mean, as I said, we when we started this, we looked around online to see what other companies were doing. And it was weird because what we saw was like there was the same like five to ten concepts that everybody was trying but just putting their own spin on it and we realized like how how is this realistically going to scale um and so that's where we the first pledge we made to ourselves is whatever we we did had to be different it had to be unique or else like how else are you going to stand out from the crowd um but no it's uh it's driven a lot of what we've done and yeah working out
0: And you've had some pretty remarkable revenue figures that you've been quite open about, which is why I'm asking you to, if you know, you'll share with our listeners. So what have you been able to bring in over the last approximately five months?
1: Uh, So we, Moniker, in the travel space, uh, we were growing at approximately a 24% uh, year over year for the last four years. And that would have put us, like, so every year we do our own internal retreat. I take the team somewhere. It's called Monocon. And every, this year we did it in, in Morocco. And I, I do something called the State of the Union, which is a presentation of basically running our entire company, like through the through the books, through the numbers, through the forecasts. And this was supposed to be like a milestone year for us. This is going to be the year that we, we finally broke 5 million. And um, as of May 1st, when I did our books, uh, we had zero dollars on our revenue for the rest of the year we had it we had a good first quarter but obviously it wasn't going to sustain us um and since then we've gone from zero for this business that didn't exist with the virtual team building to i think as of today we're at one hundred and eighty-five thousand since may 1st and right now we're like the, the growth that we're seeing in terms of like month over month increase in sales and then just like getting better and more efficient at running it. Like we're, we're, we're at this point now, um, we've cleared any debt we took on and we're now actually running a profitable business model for, for virtual.
0: That is remarkable. And I appreciate you being so open with those numbers and sharing them because it's inspiring and it really, our industry needs it. You know, I'm in the events industry. Travel, corporate travel. There's a lot of crossover there, but for people within our industry to hear, and other industries as well, that you can reinvent yourself and you can come back and you can do remarkable things. So, congratulations!
1: Yeah, and one thing to to note is like before before COVID, um, we so we have six people on staff. We have an office, which I regret extending our lease right now, (laughs) but we. we were operating at around like, I think, 55, 60 a month overhead. And and then with the wage subsidy, and, and I thank our lucky stars that, you know, the kid that we live in Canada and we have this kind of support out there, but um, we have been able to, it has, it has given us enough room and, and buffer to kind of spend the last three, four months figuring this out um, that we, that we're able now to confidently stand on our own two legs, uh, but a huge, huge, appreciation for the situation that you know the government has created for a lot of us with with the support because without it I don't know what would have happened Um, it it definitely gave us a lot more leeway to figure things out
0: yeah for sure Uh, absolutely agree with you on that one and you've clearly had to step up as a leader during this time what would you say are the top two most important traits of a leader for you as a leader uh, each day
1: Uh, I would say the two things I would love to hear if my team agrees, uh, vision and action. Um, You can be the most creative, talented, intelligent person on the planet with amazing ideas. But if there's no follow through or execution, they're just dreams. They're just dreams on paper. Uh, You have to be willing to make decisions and and start moving in that direction, even if the whole puzzle isn't totally solved yet. Um, So the phrase ready fire aim is tossed around a lot in the startup world but it's true uh, if you spend months and months honing up and perfecting a product before it launches chances are you'll miss miss the boat uh, or somebody else will beat you to it and then you'll be shut out of the market um, so having having enough courage to just go forward with something and even if it might seem crazy or you're not totally sure how it's going to work out i think that's a, a lot of what being an entrepreneur is about and just leading and i also think One of the things that I I definitely value and and can't emphasize enough is how much you need to appreciate and show appreciation for your team's value and how it all contributes to your shared success. You genuinely care and invest in the people that you work with or around you. Um, I mean, nobody can be successful without the support and help of others and and taking the time to actually do things to show that you care about your employees or you care about your colleagues just helps get everybody on board we're all in this together mentality um, and get everybody rowing in the same direction uh it's it's so important that i found is like how important strong cultures are in in making or breaking a business you could have two exact same businesses but one has a very strong cohesive culture and the other one is just a group of employees i think we all know which one you would bet on to be more successful in the long run so that's something that i picked up
0: yeah, absolutely. And you said your retreat is called Monicom.
1: Monicon, like conference. Monicon. Moniker. Monacon conference. Yeah. Monicon.
0: I think you're gonna get a few resumes in your inbox after this uh, <laughs> interview.
1: <laughs> no no promises for we were we were looking at going to Japan for twenty twenty one uh, no promises anymore. All right, sorry. I'm just <laughs>
0: pressing send on my resume right now. You're just going to receive that super fast. Um, okay. How have you, I want to know how you've changed through this process personally, professionally, whatever, you know, how do you think you've grown through all of this?
1: Uh, I've definitely grown a lot more gray hairs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think as, as like, running the company, I think I've become much more like humbled in terms of the success and, and how fragile it all is like we we were growing pretty well. And, you know, I I had this confidence that, oh, we're awesome. And then all of a sudden, like overnight, it's like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> uh, so I, I definitely have become much more aware of how fragile this whole system is and if you're trying to build a business or a company but I also have become much more vocal about making your own destiny um, to to our to my colleagues and then just as well to peers in the industry and others Uh, you know this COVID has hit people in so many different industries that you wouldn't even know like obviously everybody thinks of bars restaurant owners hair salons yoga studios but like the other day I got a call from our the people who deliver our, our water cooler jugs and I was like no our office is closed like we don't need more water jugs And I think thinking oh my god there's another industry that has totally been screwed by COVID and so I think what like I've sat in a number of our like town halls and and you know group Zoom calls, and it's one of those things where at this point, I'm very vocal about like, shit happened. It was out of our control, and it's not going to go away anytime soon. So what are you guys going to do about it? Are you just going to sit here wringing your hands and patting each other on the back, saying that it's all going to be okay eventually? Or are you going to actually stand up and do something about it? And so I've been pushing people, yourself included, to make yep. a plan uh, and trying to to share as much insight as I can totally free. Like I will tell anybody everything I know about search engine campaigns and how to revamp your website for seo uh and and just trying to rally the confidence in other people and even some of our competitors like i don't know why but this has just made me realize that there is there are there is a certain amount of um control that you have over how you react to things and, and how things affect you is is your mindset of how to approach it and and by getting yourself into the right mindset. Um, you can truly get over anything or get through anything. Um, it's, and it's like, you know, the go over the wall or go through it. Uh, that's, that's just comes down to how you react to things.
0: I yeah, absolutely. So well said. And I agree. I think that even when we started in, you know, in this whole situation, I was coming from it as like, I'm not trying to create Band-Aid solutions here because this is not meant to be a Band-Aid. Like this is the future and we might be doing virtual events for a long time. We might be doing hybrid events forever. So I think coming at it with like, no, this is actually embracing our new future, embracing this new world the way it is and having that approach versus thinking, okay, I'm just gonna do this temporarily until everything goes back to normal. Like when in the world have we gone backwards? You know, it's like, you have to kind of let that go and start moving on. And it is a mindset. It's a mindset that you've actually accepted what's happened. And and that acceptance is going to kind of let you move forward. And uh, you've definitely been a mentor to me for sure. You have shared so much information from day one, sending me every government article, everything you could to help us. And we definitely really appreciate I it, I, Sean. I
1: believe that's called spam. Spamming <laughs> in the inbox, really.
0: I did block a few. <laughs> did have to block <laughs> a few emails. <laughs> but... But no, it's, you know, it's so interesting on a few podcast episodes, the topic of mentorship has come up and the fact that you can't force mentorship and somewhere along the way, I feel like just naturally you kind of became a mentor for me, but I actually feel like it was COVID that really made me realize that you are a mentor to me because truthfully I'm, I can really say I'm very much inspired by what you've done, I'm very much inspired by how you treat people. I, I have a lot of respect for people that treat other people well, and that's when you uh, that's when you really became a mentor for me. So I appreciate I appreciate, I appreciate that.
1: that. That's, that's very kind of you. Thank you.
0: So now, before we shed any tears on this podcast of our friendship, what is uh, what's next for Moniker?
1: I was thinking about that. Um, I see Moniker becoming more of a culture company rather than a travel company is what we were Um, I think what's what we're seeing now is a lot of companies especially as they're kind of adapting to moving into the remote setup uh, and more and more companies are going to permanently move into that and either on the one hand they will they'll continue to see the value and importance of still getting together in person when it's appropriate Um, and so our travel business and the retreat business will hopefully come back stronger than ever uh, when it's when it's time, um, and I, I don't think there's any rush on that. But at the same time, now I also realize that a lot of our clients from beforehand and new clients and relationships that we've met along the way, um, they're they reach out with the same problem. We're having trouble engaging and, and creating like a strong sense of community with our teams online. And it's not oh okay well we have some virtual team building things as a solution. It's like okay well let's help us figure out what you think your team would actually have a laugh around or do a virtual high five around or like walk away and say, oh my God, I didn't realize that Alex from accounting is so funny or so creative. And so that's where I see ourselves like long-term, I see Moniker turning into having two divisions. And I can confidently say now that um, not only do I think that Moniker is going to be around and like survive COVID, um, which which if you had asked me back in March, I not, I'm not sure I could have said that so convincingly but it's now I see it's, we're going to be around for a long time. And I think when this all passes, uh, we're going to come back bigger and and stronger because we will have realistically two divisions, one that does the real, real in-person get togethers, which are so important. And this COVID whole thing has taught us like human beings are social creatures. We, we, we enjoy getting together. And whether that be having a beer with one of your colleagues or, you know, racing around Tuscany in a, in a, heist competition or even if it is online um, we still need something to gather around uh, and so if we can be that go-to company for for clients who just want to bring their people together that's I, that's what I see as our next step we're learning a lot about literally the science of, of team building uh, you know exact what, what is the optimal team sizes for for things um, how do you test certain traits of like, forming consensus or how do you, what's the optimal way to approach, uh, like making a decision without imperfect information and things like that. So, um, I'm pretty excited for where we're going after this. I have no idea what's going to, you know, if COVID does something mean anything, you cannot plan more than three, four months out. And even that could be thrown out the window tomorrow. Um, but I, I would say six months from now, I'm really excited because it's, it's going to be a, a pretty interesting path and journey for us.
0: That's really exciting. I'm excited to see the growth that you guys continue to have. Now our very last question, Sean, is how do you live an energizing life while running a business and being responsible for so many people?
1: (laughs) I don't even know. Um, I, I mean, I have, I've become a full-fledged home workouter. Um, before I definitely used to love going to the gym I mean I bike a lot and that has gotten me out and it's actually where I got a lot of my thinking done Um, I hop on a bike and I go for an hour or two um, and I think that's what keeps me but how do I keep energized honestly I just love waking up every every day and it's different it's a new challenge and figuring out like all right how am I going to go through this how am I going to like tackle this what's today got in store that that's what keeps me energized. And it's what keeps me motivated is like every single day is a new challenge. Um, And putting out new fires and dealing with new problems, solutions, figuring it out with, with my colleagues. uh, It's, it's definitely motivating.
0: Well, that's very inspiring. Wake up, get at it, tack challenges and, um, Listen, Sean, from investment banking, think about it, had you never made that choice? Look at these people you've impacted, this family you've created, the clients you've helped. I mean, gosh, had you not taken that step, you know, all the things that wouldn't have happened. So when you look back, I hope you're really proud of yourself. But again, we're excited to follow you along your journey. And I will definitely throw in the show notes, Sean's Instagram and his website. So you guys can check it out and follow him and his little plastic pug Winston on their adventures. As soon as uh, Sean can get out on an airplane and travel somewhere, he definitely will be doing that. So thanks again, Sean, for being on the podcast with us today.
1: Thank you, Haley. I I really enjoyed this.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you like what you heard, make sure to hit subscribe and leave me a quick rating and review because good energy is contagious. If you want to say hello, you can always contact me at neonpeak.ca. And remember to hit your peak performance, you got to wake up, kick ass and repeat. You got this.